Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I have to wear a lot of makeup for my day job, but when I'm off camera, I'm all about ease and simplicity. Thrive Cosmetics has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. One of my go-tos is their brilliant eye brightener. It's ridiculously easy to put on, and it gives my eyes the little perfect pop in seconds. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash off camera. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash off camera for 10% off your first order. Tell me the truth, because that's how it is here in the South, the studio. If I'm walking down the street or going to the supermarket or something, somebody's like, Tyler, I saw that last movie, man. It sucked. Do better. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my critic. That's my critic. That's what I love. Somebody got to cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Hello? Oh, I can hear you. How's it going? Thank you for doing this. You are the most beautiful family. Thank you. I so appreciate that. God bless you. Thank you. Are you going to have more? Nope, nope. One and done. That He snuck up on me, and God bless him. Are you sure? I am completely sure. I was 45. I had my own grandkids, so no, I'm good. No, no, no. Uh, Listen, <laughs> you know, Anderson and Andy are like... Older than you, and they're cranking out babies over there. No, they can have it. They can have it. You know what? I, I already, I already suffer with way too much guilt for not having enough time. Yeah. You know, so that's the biggest thing for him. And I couldn't imagine trying to split the little time that I have now with two, because they both would just demand equal, equal time. You know, and then that's two yeah. ball games and two plays and two schools and two. Yeah. By the way, if you're just joining us right now, we are in the middle of an episode of Let's Talk on Wait, Camera. I was just about we to say, has it started jumped, yet? When did it we start? just jumped. We no, just jumped no, right No, in. let's start. Let's no, start. No. Let's start. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's get talking. Woo! This is huge. We are joined by a mega star. Mega. Huge. As mega. evidenced by my swollen left eye. <laughs> I judge the size of the star by how swollen my left eye gets. He's a writer, he's a director, he's an actor, a producer. He's a studio chief. He's a media mogul. He's a humanitarian. He is royal adjacent. I'm just gonna say he's a he's a he's a, he's a I'm gonna say he's a duke. He's a duke. He's a royal. He's a duke. Yeah. So please, or let's call him. He's been knighted. Sir. He's been knighted, been knighted by this podcast. So please welcome Sir Tyler Perry. <laughs> Sir Tyler Perry, I've been knighted. I appreciate it. I've been knighted. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we, you know, we are such fans of yours here, Tyler, and uh, this a documentary about your life called Maxine's Baby. Um, I loved so much. It was really, I, I found myself crying. Mm. I, found, I found myself enraged. I found myself feeling so uplifted. I walked away thinking like all things are possible. You had every but, emotion that I did when I saw it. 
Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they followed me for ten years, um, and and oh I didn't have any uh, creative say or anything in it. I just knew that if I didn't like it, it would never see the light of day. But <laughs> but they, because I wouldn't give approval for any of the footage. But but when I saw it, when I saw the final Galila uh, and Armani, you know, the directors, when they brought it to me to watch, I was everything you just said. I was devastated. I was gutted. I was floored. I was. I realized why I'm so exhausted, and but I. But more than anything, I felt lifted, and like when the only reason to do this doc is for somebody to see it and feel inspired. Because I've always been extremely private. I don't want anybody that close to me all the time. But yeah, yeah. I, I've got to tell you that I. That was also a very strong feeling I mm. got. I was like. Tyler seems like a very reluctant participant in this documentary. <laughs> like you didn't really want to talk about yourself yeah, at all. Right. Um, but I have to tell you that there was so much of it that resonated with me. There was so much. But you said something. When things were bad for you as a child, you would sort of float above yourself. Yeah, yeah. When the beatings from your father yeah. became unbearable you would float above yourself but when things are really good and really celebratory you also can't entertain that so you tend to float above yourself or away from yourself yeah and i i wanted to like explore that with you because i i do the same thing i i like to keep myself at a nice in the middle spot where if something is very tragic and awful i like to sort of move away from it or van I like to vanish into the background and mm. if something very great happens to me I also like to vanish into the background and and I was wondering if you could ex like expound on what you think that is where that comes from besides the actual physical violence of your father well I, I think that's the most of it it, it was the, the physical violence of wanting to be removed from the pain of it all and someone said to me, I think this was Diana Ross, she said her father would always say uh, that fear and excitement feel the same. And I never really thought mm. about that. I was like, wow, when you're afraid of something, you have these nerves. When you're excited, you have these nerves, right? So you have to de yeah. delineate which is which. So I, I, what I found is that I did not know I was doing it in everything until I was ch trying to understand while I was missing huge chunks of my life, like great, incredible moments, people would say, wow, Ty, remember this and remember this? I'd be like, no. And then I see a picture of it and I go, oh yeah, that did happen because immediately anything in here, whatever it was, whether it was pain, great joy, uh, I, I had a coping mechanism and I didn't know that I needed to have a, le a lever for each one. I, need, I didn't know that I need to give myself permission to say, this is good. This is excitement. You're okay. But anything that was heightened made me feel like, okay, I got to get out of here and I'm gone in my mind. And um, looking, looking back on it now, I think I started to realize it at 40. I started working, touring at 28, and it was about 40, 41, 42. I felt like I had missed that whole time in my life because I was just working so hard. And, and I look back now at things that had happened, even this doc, I go, wow, those were incredible moments that I just sailed right through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went into therapy when I turned 40. Mm -hmm. I went into therapy because I just, um, I saw, I bumped into a girlfriend of mine at a, a bar mitzvah. And she said, how are you? And I started sobbing mm -hmm. and I wasn't entirely sure why. Mm -hmm. And I just started sobbing. And she said, I'm going to write down the name of my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. And I really 
got to know myself. I got to understand why um, why I had such trouble embracing success of any kind. And I, I was curious, have you ever been in therapy? Do you go to a therapist? No, no, I never have. But I tell you what has been extremely helpful for me. Uh, between faith and prayer and understanding so much about myself through just biblical readings and teachings, I was like, wow, this makes so much sense and able to apply it, apply it to my own life. But I think the thing that really was the catalyst for me to understand everything that was going on, or for the most part, was the writing. When I write a character, um, I, that character has a motivation. And I go, well, why did you, like, if I have a character in, in, in my mind, the character just goes to the other side of the room. I'm like, well, why'd you go to the other side of the room? So as a writer, I have to search the motivation. Was it cold? Did they get uncomfortable? Are they, so in my own life, I, when I would do things, I'd be like, okay, why'd you do that? What was that about? Were you upset? Were you angry? What happened? And then I, memories will come and triggering things will come. And like, oh, that's why you feel that way. Okay, how do we undo that? How do we turn that around? So writing characters and developing them helped me kind of understand a lot of my own emotional stuff. But I'm not opposed to therapy. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe one day I will. But I, I've um, managed to get through a lot of it so far just with the I, writing. I also, I also feel like when Oprah is your best friend, yeah. like, she's like... <laughs> I mean, she was my earliest therapist. Yeah, I know she was your yeah, earliest right, therapist. Right. She was America's yeah. first therapist. Yeah. Like, we didn't know we were getting therapy, but we were. Yeah, and she hasn't and, had it either. Which is, yeah. like, fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. When I think of, like, a person who is, like, the most therapy-minded person, mm -hmm. I would think it's Oprah. Yeah, that's right. But I, but, but, she, but, but from, she taught you to journal. She taught you to journal. Right, which is which was... Uh, all along leading to everything else, writing it down. When she, on her show, she said it was cathartic to write things down. I had to go find a dictionary to find out what cathartic meant. <laughs> I mean, you know, product of my public high school. But having that understanding of, wow, this is, this is, this feels good to put this on paper. This feels good to look at my younger self and write a letter to him. This feels good to talk about the pain, like actually having it, it seemed as if it was physically coming out of me and going on to the page. That was really revelatory for me. I was uh, taken by um, when they went back to your childhood home, and it was for the sixty minutes piece, which yeah. they use in the yeah. documentary. And and you show um, you show the journalist that your crawl space where you would go to escape. Yeah. And I was so. Um, uh, I was so amazed by you're such a little boy. You're able to fit into this space. You're the and you know for anybody who hasn't seen the documentary yet, you it's a must watch. Um, you're just the cutest little boy I've ever <laughs> seen in my whole life. Like I wanted, I wanted to scoop you up mm. and run you away from that situation. Like that was my like maternal instinct kicking mm. in for baby. Tyler Perry. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank and, you. But, but you went in there and you developed this ability to see things, hear things, imagine conversations, put together dialogue in your brain. Whereas I know me, if that was me, I would have been under there going, I hope I get hit by a bus <laughs> and then they'll be sorry. Yeah. It's, so, it's so strange you remember that because I hadn't been under that house in probably 40 years and to walk up to it 
and still see the robin egg blue paint that I remember finding a can of paint that was around the house and painting. I don't nobody, nothing in the house is robin egg, egg blue. I don't know why it was like the color of the sky, which would mm -hmm. be something to look up to, right? So mm -hmm. I remember painting it and I, I can, and as I was under there, I still saw the staplers in the wall from when I had these cardboard uh, images that I had made of windows and people and I could still see the staplers from that kind of stuff. And that for me was, I think, the beginning of where I was able to separate from the trauma to this imaginary world. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. But that all things work together for the good has always blown my mind, thinking about how, had he not been who he was, how he not been as awful as he was, wh who would I have been? What would my imagination have been? Would I be able to be this creative? So it's really hard for me to hold on to pain and heartache and anger and rage at someone when I look at how it benefited me. And I can't imagine what his life was like. I can't even imagine. I, I just growing up in a Jim Crow South, the things he had to deal with, things that, you know, I'm, I'm the first generation that was born with all my rights in my family, mm -hmm. right? So I can't imagine what he went through. Um, but my hope for him would have been what I turned out to be in the sense of I was able to use all of that and take all of that and turn it into something that is, is, lives and breathes for good positivity. Like I always tell people around me when they get upset, just stay in the good, just stay in the good. And listen, I have days where I want to tear some things up, but I just, it's very really? important. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very because, important. You know, I, I kept saying, because Jan, Jan got very upset, Jan sitting here mm -hmm. at the table as well. And Jan got very upset in the documentary when she saw your father still living in the mansion. Really? And yeah. yes, she got very like pissed. Let me tell you. Let me tell yes. you something about that. My, my my mother, who I love with all my heart, when on her deathbed, she asked me to take care of him. She said, "Take care of him." And I, I keep going back to the Bible, and there's, there's a scripture that says, yeah. "Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon this earth." Right. So mm -hmm. he raised me. I did not know he wasn't my father, but I try and honor that, even though I don't speak, we don't talk anymore. I give him the exact same things he gave me. Like he has a roof over his head, he has money, he doesn't worry about anything. But the house that I built for my mother, the one that's in one of the photos, I think, mm -hmm. uh, after she died, the house burned down. He was living there with her mysteriously to the ground. They still don't know what happened. Arson invest. Every, nobody knows why this house burned down to the ground, to ashes. So it was such a gorgeous yeah, house. Yeah. So it so, seemed like it's uh, not possible for it, it to burn down. It yeah. was like made of bricks and yes. marble. And nothing was left. So I re, I re, I wrestled with: Do I rebuild this house for him now that she's gone? Because that was my whole hope and dream: is just to take care of her, do well enough to take care of her. So rebuilding the house, I built a smaller house for him because I didn't think he needed the house that size for the whole family because nobody was coming back to visit him as, as we were in the past with my mom. But I, I wrestled with it. Do I rebuild this? Do I take care of him? Do I continue? And I keep hearing my mother's words asking me to take care of him. So, yeah, I have. But we have no contact. But I, I don't wish him any ill will. But, but when my cousin went to the gate and he behaved that way and he's screaming and yelling and using all those words at him at 80-something years old, imagine him at 40 or 30. No, that's what yeah. I – that's yeah. my first yeah. thought was yeah. he was terrifying. Right. But your mom, you know, who you clearly love so yeah. much and she was equally, I think, caught in, in you know, in such an abusive situation. Yeah. Um, she – 
gave you a gift, I think, and it's really a theme on this podcast. You had this ability to make her laugh. Mm -hmm. You would go and visit her friends when they were playing cards. And after your dad was brutalizing your mother, you would then make her laugh by imitating her friends Mm -hmm. at the card game. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if her laughter was the thing that, because I always say like laughter can be a drug for funny people. They get a laughter from that early audience, whether it's a teacher, a mother, a classmates. And once they get it, they need it. Was she your earliest audience? It was, I would do anything to see her smile. So I didn't, I wasn't necessarily about, you know, worried about trying to get her to laugh, but it was very difficult for me to sit there and watch her after Friday nights is when the beatings were the worst and he was the worst. And she would be sitting there in tears on the sofa, just smoking a cigarette in tears. And I come in there and say something to make her funny. So that just the thought of, me being able to make her laugh made me go, wow. So I think the 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 hope of all of that and rather than being the drug of making people laugh or the drug of comedy for me was I realized the power in being able to lift someone out of that kind of despair. And how special would a kid feel? How, listen to me. This man's towering. I'm 6'6 six, six now. I'm taller than he is. But he's towering over me. He's doing all these awful things to her. And I actually have the ability to have the opposite effect on this woman. As her child, that was powerful for me. And then to go on to to do television and movies and speak to the same kind of women, exact same kind of women, and see that expression by the millions, oh yeah, that felt great. The first play you put on was I Know I've Been Changed. And you you just financially couldn't make it happen. What I took away from that was that there's something about you that just never gets jaded. You're not broken down by this business, you you are able to lean into the positive and let the negative roll away from you. How does that happen? Listen, I have friends who have been in the business, you know, for a very long time, and I see how it devastates them and how, you know, when things happen, they it, it's hard for them to even get up and move past it. I didn't come in that way. I came in through the loving arms of all of these people like my mom, all of these people in the audience, 99% black women who loved me into this position. So it, I came in with a, when I did my first meeting in Hollywood, they didn't know who I was, but I had people walking down the street screaming, hey, Medea, hey, Tyler, you know, in other parts of the country. So I came in from a different way. I don't, I can't imagine had I come in through the system and the amount of rejection you have to put up with and the amount of negativity and the amount of of just sacrificing of so many things just to be in the business. I don't know where I'd be if I had that. So I'm, I'm thankful that I came in the way that I came in. And you really, you know, foundationally built this tremendous fan base and, um, you know, through the gospel churches and your legions of fans, legions and legions, mostly women. But, you know, once you get the women, then the husbands come with them. That's exactly right. It's just right. like, it's yeah. really, that's just how it happens. It became a whole um, family affair. I look out, I sat, I sat on stage yes. and one day I went out and said, who's the youngest person in the audience? There was someone who was like three or four or five or something. I said, who's <laughs> right. the oldest person? There was somebody in the, he said, my grandmother, she's 90 something years old. I go, wow, cross wow. generations. So, yeah. When I think of you, I think of all the positive things Mm. that you've done in the world. I wonder what that feels like for you to do so much good, particularly in the black community, Mm. and to have 
people who are black theater critics or black film critics or black um, directors come at you for it? First of all, you talk about the, 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 my audience, right, and and staying with them. I abandoning my audience would have been like walking away from my mother, in all of her pain and all the things she was dealing with. So I completely understood that that I I would never leave. Um, having critics such as the people that are in the doc, it is it's been fascinating to watch people who are so intellectual and smart yet be so stupid and dumb and not able to <laughs> yeah and not able to even recognize or um understand the intersection of what i'm doing and how deliberate and on purpose it is right um also i i think about toni morrison who is who is you know was just a brilliant writer she talks about the white gaze and how when she would read books um she when she was younger she would be annoyed because all the books were written from the author telling the story through a white person's lens or trying to make the white person understand even frederick douglas um was one of the people that she pointed out when she was talking about that and as i thought about the white gaze i think about those kinds of critics how they see things through this level of if it's not pointed in a way that white people are taught to understand it, then it's not art, it's not established, it's not, it's not welcomed. However, if they really look at their family tree, they'll see Medea and Uncle Joe and all those people in. And there's a lot of black people who are unfortunately embarrassed by where we come from. I embrace it from the South. These people, I love all of the folks that I came from, my, from my Uncle James Bell with his ashy knees to my aunt who, who will cuss everybody out, doesn't can't conjugate a verb to save her life. But I love these people. They have such rich, great stories to tell, right? And I don't want to ignore and dismiss them because some critic says, well, Tyler, you should be, you should be. Don't tell me what I should be. I know what I should be. I've got to tell you, it's not just the black community. Yeah. I mean, Albert and I can tell you about the being Keenies and the Rippas, and Medea is well <laughs> That's represented. Right. That's right. That's you right. You are That's talking right. to many That's white right. families That's as right. well. That That's all right. that that I've that I was very I got very irritated on your behalf <laughs> at that part of the documentary yeah. because I thought. Who do you think you are talking down to us, the audience? Yeah. yeah. Who do you think you are? I know what I'm buying my mom, friends, for Mother's Day. The Ori joggers. Jan is obsessed. My stylist, Audrey, is obsessed. So I know they're a sure hit. And if any one of my family or friends are listening to this podcast, hint, hint, these would be a great gift for me. They're designed with their dream knit stretch fabric, which I love because they're so ridiculously comfortable, but yet look so good. By the way, they're not just for women. I'm ordering them right now for Mark because Father's Day is right around the corner. No matter how you stay active, running, swimming, yoga, or just running weekend errands, Viore is for you. Viore is offering Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripper listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at fiori.com slash off camera. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash off camera. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viori.com slash off camera and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. 
Melojo, my production company, is such a small business, so when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. And Albert, I know you wear so many hats over there, you might not have the time or the resources to hire, but LinkedIn changes all of that. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. So Albert, the next time we're hiring, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. We got Roz, so we know it works. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Albert, I know you're too busy to be frizzy. So grab Waze new anti-frizz cream. It's a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I'm loving it because it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching my bone dry hair with intense hydration. And during the summer, that's something we could all use. You'll also be way obsessed with Waze bestsellers like I am. My new favorite is their scalp and body scrub. It's a blend of sugar and coconut oil that cleanses, exfoliates, and moisturizes all at once on your scalp and your skin. I'm also really into their Wave Spray for this summer. It's a weightless, salt-free mist that gives you that just out of the ocean and my hair dried perfectly look. You know, like that look that is so unattainable. <laughs> it doesn't make my hair crunchy at all. And it's super easy to use. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code off camera for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com promo code off camera. got very irritated on your behalf at that part of the documentary because yeah. I thought, who do you think you are talking down to us, the audience? Yeah. Who yeah. do you think you are? But I mean, I, you know, even someone who like Spike Lee, who was one of who I'm, I'm, I was a huge fan of, who was one of my uh, worst critics in the beginning, to see him in the doc, get it and understand it. It's like sometimes you just keep, stay focused. That's just noise. That's just, that doesn't matter. And if, if, the the only critic that I can really, really respect is one that has written, directed, and produced a movie or a show or something, and they really get it. I go, oh, wow, your opinion I can actually pay attention to and listen to because you know what it takes to do this. If you don't know what it takes to do it and you've got some degree that tells you you can, cri you can criticize film because someone taught you that, get the hell out of here. Who is, is there, is there somebody in your inner circle or is there a director, a writer, a producer that you do look up to or that you seek advice from, guidance from? I just did um, a movie, Six Triple Eight, about the uh, 855 black women who were in, this is what's going to shock a lot of people who were in World War II. When they see this mm -hmm. movie, everybody who sees it says, wait, Tyler Perry did this? Because people wait, think- Wait, when does that come out? We, we haven't, we don't have a date yet, but it's a Netflix mm -hmm. film and uh, we're thinking next year, um, but, but- to have people um, see, wait, you did this? It, it, just because I hadn't played in that area doesn't mean I couldn't, right? So some of the people that I let see it, well, Oprah's actually in the movie. And listen, Oprah can be 
She, Tyler, I need to talk to you. Uh, this movie here, what you did over here, no. We, what is happening? Or she, she, she gives it to me straight. And I love it. Right. And um, you know, I, I took it to George Lucas and Melody Hobson to watch to, just to get their opinion of it. You know, so I, I people who who have, again, who've done it and understand it and can tell me here's what I think or here's and not be not be um, how you know in Hollywood everybody's nice and sweet about it. No, just tell me the truth. Because that's how it is here in the South, the studio. If I'm walking down the street or going to the supermarket or something, somebody's like, Tyler, I saw that last movie, man. It sucked. Do better. You know <laughs> You know what I mean? That, that's my critic. That's my critic. Right. Yeah, that's what I love. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And I want to get into the 1090 contract mm. that you invented, <laughs> which I was like, wait, Tyler Perry invented that too? <laughs> because that is – a lot of people don't realize you have to get to 100 episodes – of a television series so it can be sold into syndication, which yeah. is really like, as a creator, that's all you want. You yeah. want your show sold into syndication. And so he developed this thing, Albert, where uh, TBS, he upfront produced 10 episodes of his own money. And I, I'm thinking that had to be very expensive at the time. It was, I don't, yeah. I don't think you were rolling fat like you I are now. I was doing now. okay, though. I was doing okay. You yeah, were doing okay. Like I mean, now. you were not obviously like now, yeah. you had enough money to yeah, make yeah. ten episodes of a TV series, a but that would like break most people. Well, I can tell you how it all started. If you got yeah. a second, it's a podcast. Uh, we, we got a talk. second. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were. I was. I, I went to Hollywood and I was going to do a TV show with Chuck Lorre, and I just hated everything about the process. I hated everything about it, and I had to deal with CBS. The deal fell through, and my agent was like, "Tyler, we're so sorry. The deal fell through. I know you're disappointed." I was going, "Thank you, Jesus." <laughs> so, so, I, so I went to Atlanta and I did these 10 episodes and my agents at William Morris are saying Tyler nobody does 10 episodes it's one you do a pilot you see if it works I said no no, no I really feel strongly that I should do 10 I did 10 and nobody wanted them nobody was interested and the UPN and WB merged and there were all these affiliates who were really furious because they had no programming and they were calling around what do you have does anybody have anything like, there's this guy in Atlanta who's got 10 episodes well they put that 10 episodes on the air and that 10 episodes did better than what was there and they were blown away. And then like, okay, we'll order 10, we'll order 17, we'll order 20. I was like, nope, I want 90. I want 100. I, want, I need 90 episodes. I need somebody to offer 90 episodes. Like, nobody's going to do that, Tyler. Nobody. Find somebody to order 90 episodes. And Steve Coonan at t TBS, to his credit, said, we'll take the 90. And that's how it all started because the reason I listen, the reason I knew that I wanted the 100 is because of Oprah. Like, that's syndication. That means if you get 100 episodes, you're in syndication. That's long term money coming in. Let's do that. So that's how we, that's how I figured it all out. Why do you even have an agent? That's the question I want. There's the question. Why do you have an agent? <laughs> and isn't he grateful? <laughs> Is he the most? Does he like give you presents? No, Ari Mang's an asshole, but he's, <laughs> but, he's but, but, but but he is he is very much very much. Uh, uh, he makes me think I should be grateful. Let's put it that way. But no, we have the best best relationship. He's so he's so fun. He's so. Um, what what I love about working with Ari and Warren and everybody at, at WME is is I I'll bring the idea and then Ari will go wait how about this 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 and I go okay you just made it ten times better and then he says I'm calling get so and so on the phone get so and so on the phone so -and -so. so he's got everybody on the phone in five minutes of the idea so that's the great thing about having he can he can help me execute it very quickly. How did you become friends with Oprah? Like, because you know, you know, I've shared this with you many yeah, times. Yeah. I have like a lifelong yeah. obsession with Oprah. <laughs>
you have become friends with Oprah, and I have had Oprah on my show. That's right, you have. So, so we're the same I'm, yeah, I'm still like Oprah. I'm a Oprah adjacent. Mm-hmm. I haven't wormed my way into the friendship zone yet, but every year, every year there's fresh hope. There's fresh hope. So, so tell me about like your friendship. How did it all happen? I, you know, I was. It was. It was April Fools, and I'll never forget it. And I was. Um, Oh, I just forgot it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was April Fool's. I'm driving down the street to my publicist at the time who, you know, she's trying to be a publicist. I'm trying to be in the, like, in the business. So she's like, we got a call from the Oprah show. They want you to come. I'm like, get off the phone. I've hung up the phone. She's like, no, no, they want you to come. And I ended up going to Chicago and doing the show and sitting there and was blown away. It was one of those moments where I was out of body. And I was just like, I have so much to say to you. I know we're going to be friends. I know we're going to, all this I want to say to her, but I like, I didn't say a word. I was like, that little voice in the back of my head is going to be, your time is going to come. Just don't say anything. So, a few- Wait, so that, this is my problem. I don't have the little voice. <laughs> you need the little voice in the back of your head. <laughs> I vomited that onto Oprah. I know we're going to be friends. We're going to be best friends. We're gonna, can I have your phone number? Yeah. No, didn't do any didn't- of that. And, then, okay. and this is the height of the Oprah Winfrey show, right? So right. Um, about four years later, The Diary of a Mad Black Woman, it hadn't come out yet. I was in Las Vegas, and I was walking down the street. I was doing a show there, and I was walking down the street, and I found, my phone rings, and I, you know, you flip it and pull that antenna up, and mm-hmm. I'm like, hello. Yeah, hey, this is Oprah. I almost got killed because I stepped out into traffic <laughs> as she was on the phone. So Oprah almost killed me. But that's yeah. when it, that's when it's, she called me out of the blue and just said how much she enjoyed the movie and she was having a party and I should come and we we became friends. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So then. OK. OK. <laughs> I just want to go in. I, I won't dwell on this for too long. Just like yes, you 20, will. Yes, you 25 will. to 35 more minutes. No. So you go to Oprah's, you go to Oprah's house. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you wear? Like, do you change your clothes like thirty times? Like, no, this what was do you wear? this was for the Legends Ball where she was she was having this party for all of the legends, right? So uh, there, he went, to, he went to the Legends Ball. <laughs> yeah, my first party at Oprah's house. I pull up to first it was at the resort, and I go in there, and there's Barack and Michelle Obama, who you know he's a senator, and nobody really knows who he is, so he's just walking, no no security or nothing. He's walking around, just come from playing basketball. He gets dressed, everybody gets dressed. I show up. There's Diana Ross. There's Tina Turner, there's uh, it's Cicely Tyson, it's Sidney Poitier, there's Tom Cruise, it's Barbara Streisand. I'm turning around going, what are you doing in this room? And um, I have a friend of mine, her gospel singer named Yolanda Adams. She, was ne- they, they, she had placed me next to her. And I said that out loud. And Yolanda says, you belong here. You belong here. And I never forgot that I belonged in the room. So the next day was the gospel brunch. And I see Oprah's house for the first time. And I go, Wow. And at the end, this is on YouTube. You can see me on YouTube saying this. At the end of the Gospel Brunch, there's a camera from the Oprah show. They say, what did you think? And I said, uh, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to dream bigger. And I'm going to dream better. That was like 19 years ago. So when Oprah came to my house a few months ago, she's like, I saw that again. And you left and you dreamed. And your whole life got so much bigger. And that, that only would have happened because of what I saw her do. It was yeah. possible. Yeah. 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 And when I had the studio opening, it was this, she, she, she reminded me it was the same kind of feeling that there are so many people in the room. And my, that was my hope to inspire everybody in the room and make them go, you know what? You know what? You can, too. Yeah. I feel like your documentary is going to do that for so I sure many hope so. people. That's the only oh, reason I, to do it. Only reason to do I'm, it. I mean, I really do believe that your yeah. documentary, I, I, I felt so 
uplifted. Mm, I really good. did. And Beautiful. I, as, as we've covered, I don't get uplifted. So I was very, <laughs> I was very, very, I, I was so moved. Mm. Um, you do so much good in the world. Um, but one of the fascinating things that you did that I found out through watching another docu-series was that you basically rescued Harry and Meghan. And that to me is like, um, I mean, that was a massive undertaking and you didn't really know them at the time. You just sort of like offered assistance. And and I'm wondering like intuitively, what did you know or what did you feel about what their situation was? And the only reason I'll talk about this is because she talked about it. Because anytime yeah. I'm, I'm reaching out and helping anybody, it's 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 their story. I feel like it's mine to tell. Right. No, this is the but, only reason I'm bringing it yeah, up is yeah. because I saw her talk about it. Yeah, but she, I I I got the tremendous sense of how overwhelmed, overwhelming it all was for her. I got the sense that, um, listen, I know what it's like to have a father who is not great. So seeing some of the things he was doing, I felt that she was very much isolated and alone. And I couldn't imagine leaving America and this really, she had a really, really happy life. She was really happy. And I, I later found all of that out. But, and to go into this world of this, where everything is larger than life, even to this day, it's still larger than life for them, where Everywhere she goes or whatever she does, so she puts on something, it sells out. It just their photo, their paparazzi in the corners. So I just I, I I wanted to be a safe place, not only for her, but you know there are many people who don't have a name or who are not a part of a royal family who just need somebody to be there for for them. So I sent her a note. We have this. Everybody thought Oprah introduced this, but Oprah didn't even know that I reached out to them. Um, and I sent them a note through our, we had the same publicist years ago and, um, just said, if you ever need anything, you know, here. And she called months later and just talked to me like I was that therapist you talked to and, and yeah. we just had a great <laughs> yeah. conversation. So it, it's very important for people in this business to have a safe place to land, to have a place where they can trust and talk freely and get advice that's not going to be biased or from somebody who wants something from them. And they hid out of my house for a long time. It was so great. Every day, every day that they were there, I'd look at, to see if anything's happening online. No, they don't even know. So weeks and weeks they were there. They were so happy. It was such a beautiful moment. Incredible. Yeah. And I think I think it's really important what you said. I, a lot of people um, have this misconception that if you're rich and famous or famous and rich or what what have you, you have no problems. Yeah. And that... And that, you know, you should get over it, get, get over whatever your problem is and having a safe space to yeah. have privacy, yeah. to maybe bring your child home from the hospital quietly or to have a friend to have a one-on-one -on -one with that, you know, isn't going to run to the tabloids and sell the story right. is like such, it seems like such a basic thing, but it's more than all the money and fame in the world. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah, especially in a world where everything that we do, we're supposed to share. There's Instagram, there's mm -hmm. Facebook, there's share everything, right. there's Twitter. Immediately tell me how you feel in so many characters, you know? So in a right. world where people are private and don't do that, everybody goes, what's wrong with you? Well, why are you? And then when people realize that they can trust it and it's a safe place, it, it grows into a beautiful thing. And are you godfather to their daughter? I am, to little Lily, yeah. 
Oh, oh my she's gosh, so is she so cute? Oh, she's so beautiful. She's just so beautiful. Yeah. They make beautiful babies. That's all I'll say. They make some beautiful kids. Archie well, and so Lily are you. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, my son's beautiful. So do too. you. Yeah. I mean, your son is yeah. gorgeous. How how has being a father sort of changed your perspective in life? And did, were you afraid? This is a two-parter, but were you afraid <clears throat> that somehow the way you were raised by your father, that that somehow you would inherit that thing, that yeah. that thing. I, I, I wasn't afraid of it because I, my, my father thought that the, the beatings and the abuse is what made me the person that I am, totally discounting the love and kindness of my mother. And I'm more of him than, than this man that raised me. So I wasn't afraid of that. But what I w- was and am afraid of every day, and even now, just it's so uh, um, heart-wrenching to look at the state of the world. And mm. realize that, you know, I'm, I'm 54, you know, if I get 30 years here, then God willing, that's great. But what mm. kind of world are we leaving to our children, to him? What am I doing to do something to help the world for him and his generation as they're coming up? You know, it's it's that's the thing that gives me the most worry at night. I mean, his mom and I were putting every great thing we can in him. So far, so good. I know we got the teenage years to get through, but I'm just so happy with the heart that he has and the compassion because we are so, we're so much alike in that sense. I remember being five or six years old. My mother would give us money for Christmas and Canal Street down in New Orleans. And by the time I would be walking behind my sisters and by the time I had gotten to the store, I wouldn't have any money. They're like, why, why, where's your money? I would have given it away to anybody who asked. So, and he has that. So as long He's as- He's altruistic like you are. As long as I can hold him in that place of, uh, of, of staying in the good, sharing kindness, love, then I think it'll be all right. But he, I, I do have vo- a lot of worry about it. Is it that voice, you know, you talk about the voice that was always present in your head that Mm -hmm. would tell you, you know, that would tell you things, whether it was God or just your internal companion, your your subconscious talking to you. Is that what motivates you to such a place of good all the time? I, yeah, that in my mother's voice too. Yeah, I, for me, I yeah. believe it. I believe it to be the voice of God, and because I also get tremendous guilt if I do something wrong. Like you know, you shouldn't. Why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? Why'd you think that? I have to immediately go back and fix it and apologize. But also, my mother, just my mother's voice of of, you know, just wanting people to be okay. I, she wouldn't give you money. You could ask for anything else. She's not going to give you money. But, but <laughs> I would wake up on the weekends and there'd be a whole family in the house sleeping on the floor in my room. I'd get out of bed, literally step on somebody. What? The, she's like, Shh, don't, they need somewhere to stay. So having that level of, of, of her in me, even, even when she was, uh, I, I'll never forget, I was coming home from the hospital and I'm trying to raise up on the seat to see what she's doing because she threw on brakes. She got out of the car to get a bird out of the street in traffic. You know, wow. that's the kind of woman she was. Yeah. 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 Uh, would you ever, um, like, do you ever think about retiring and what that <clears throat> looks like for you? I do, but my I think my retirement will be more like Clint Eastwood, you know. Right. <laughs> so I'll probably, instead of doing 12 movies in four years, I'll probably be doing one movie 
in six months or something like that, right? right? But, but, but one yeah, movie in six, six months, months. I six love months. that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so I, a real slowdown. A real slowdown, yeah. But ideally, I'd love to be on a beach smoking weed, just all, just oh, no cares, just smoking as much as I want, just getting as high as I've ever wanted to be and just say whatever's yeah. on my mind. So that's my retirement day. So that's a we'll good see. plan. We'll see. So you, you've created like... <sighs> What, a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar enterprise. You've directed more number one box office hit movies. You've created like the Hollywood of the South. You've changed the economics of Atlanta and the lives of so many people. What do you think little Tyler Perry underneath the house looking at the pictures that he's making with the robin's egg blue paint what what would he say about the man you've become you know jan the weather's getting warmer so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees (laughs) if you've been waiting to update your wardrobe for a long haul without spending a fortune quince is for you build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year i've been telling you about quince for a while now and i plan to keep telling you until you get the message all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I just took a few of their cover-ups on vacation, which were the perfect easy breezy looks to wear. And right now they have these tank dresses that are in the cart, ready to check out. Go look on their website. These tank dresses are effortlessly chic. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera. Jan. Isn't everyone looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without the hassle, a.k.a. the endless scrubbing? I know you're sick of scrubbing. (laughs) Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning time. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! You speak French! And you enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. That's right, zero zilch also German, scrubbing. And it works on shower, glass fixtures, tiles, and more. And if you don't believe me, check out the 33,000 five-star reviews and save time for the things you love. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on the chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to an effortless clean. You've created like a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar enterprise. You've directed more number one box office hit movies. You've created the Hollywood of the South. You've changed the economics of Atlanta and the lives of so many people. What do you think little Tyler Perry, what would he say about the man you've become? Hmm. First of all, I think he'd love me. 
I think it would really, yeah. really love me. I think he'd really love me. But it, I, I feel that he was sacrificed for all of this. I feel like he died in a way for me to be here. And I feel like I owe so much to him because of that. I, I'm telling you, there was one morning I was in my kitchen, and you talk about just tears, because I remember when whatever was happening to me in these traumatic situations, I would be in this beautiful grass running and running and running and running and running as that little boy. In my kitchen, one day, looking out the window, I realized that that is what I saw, my yard is what I saw. So I felt like he was he was willing me. It's so it's, it's sad to feel this way, but I feel like we're such separate people that he was willing me into this place. He put you in that of he, course, he yeah. put you there. Because yeah, he, he manifested he, it all. He didn't have a choice. Uh he he was a child. He had to endure. So so I think he would be very very proud, very very happy. And listen, I do I do things for him now. I know this sounds really weird, but I do a lot of things. I think your therapist probably have something to say about this if she. <laughs> I'll I, run a buyer. Yeah, I do a lot of things for him now. Meaning the uh, like, I build it model airplanes, and I get so much joy from it. Like things that that you know, uh, designing trains, toys. You know, all those things are for the little kid in me that I'm trying to reward him for all he did for me. Well, I was going to ask that too. Do you feel like you are getting to recreate more of a childhood through your own son for yourself? Yes, but I'm so worried and careful about that. Like we have to have such balance. I'm I'm so glad his mom is very much like, nope. Like <laughs> like he said, uh, they were <laughs> they were coming. We were, we were going somewhere on vacation, and they had to meet me there. And he was complaining about the airlines. And he was just like, this is so many people and there's so many, I think it was five or six at the time. So many people and so many, she's like, okay, great. You got it? Great. Next time we're gonna take the bus. It's like the bus? Yeah, the bus, <laughs> we're going on the Greyhound. He's like, okay, fine. So what? So she calls me up, she's like, he's not getting on your plane anymore. Not get, and listen, it's been three years, he hadn't been on the plane. They, they sit, they haven't taken a bus, but they, she flies coach with him in the middle of everybody else until he learns that lesson. I'm like, she is super mom. I love it because yeah. I ain't doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. But I would have learned that lesson immediately. I would have been like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. No. Nope. I get it. There's a lot of people and I am, I, I repent. To, to, listen, I to repent. his credit, to his credit, he hasn't complained. He's, he makes it, he's, he's, he hasn't complained again. So uh, pretty soon she'll, she'll uh, say it's okay. He'll probably be 20 then, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, I, I think it's, uh, you're, he clearly is um, a byproduct of both of you. And from, you know, from the little we see of him in the documentary, he seems like such a lovely, normal kid. Which you know, was, he seems like a normal kid. Which was really challenging for me because we'd done so well managing to keep him out of the spotlight. Because what was important for me is that he knew who he was before somebody start, tried to tell him who he was or tried to tell him he's my son. Like he doesn't, um, he doesn't, He's not on any social media. He doesn't. He gets computer time to watch his his um, things that are educational for you know a half hour a day or something. He reads. He loves to read. He's reading a ton of books. So 
it, it's that I feel really, really good about because social media is such the devil when it comes to kids and the things the that, it, that it, it can do to their self-esteem. And I think the longer you can keep your child from it, the better for, in our house. So I know other people. Yeah, have no, other that's how but, that's how we raised yeah, our kids. Yeah. We were lucky because social media came. Our kids were already teenagers yeah. when social media happened. But I said, you have to be if you want social media, you have to be a legal adult. Yeah. But we're not I'm we're not doing that in this house. And we were very restrictive with what they watched. And I yeah. think they're better off for it because they have conversations with people. They still write letters. That's and I'm, that's my yep. biggest achievement. Yep. yep. You know? That's what I want for my son. That's great. That's great. And it, it, it's 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 all you're doing it. Yeah. As long thanks. as you do it, it yeah. happens. It doesn't yeah. happen in a vacuum. Yeah. I, I've got to tell you, I've really enjoyed this conversation so with you I. today, and I so appreciate you um, taking the time for our humble podcast, Sir Tyler Perry. <laughs> Sir Tyler Perry, Royalty. I appreciate it. Sir, Thank you, Sir. Ty- I really and and make sure that you go see Maxine's baby. Make sure you uh, check it out. It's an extraordinary journey. It will make you feel things deeply, and it will inspire you so much. It'll make you dream big. It really will. I think you've given everyone a gift, That's, all the dreamers you. out there. Thank yeah. you. I so appreciate it. Thank you that. so much. November 17th, everyone. It will be out November 17th. Thank you so much, Tyler. Anytime, Kelly. Anytime. Thank you. Bye. Well, what'd you think? That was great. It was unbelievable. He's so forthcoming. I really like him personally. I think he's a nice person. So fun. All right, we have Ask Kelly's for you. It's time for Ask Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so from Liz957, who inspires you? I mean, after I saw that Tyler Perry, uh, Tyler Perry has always inspired me. He's just a do-gooder, and I like that. I like do-gooders in this world. Um, There's a lot of people that inspire me. I'm, I'm currently texting with my friend, uh, Elsa Marie Collins, who is one of the most philanthropic, altruistic people I've ever met. She can get so much done. She serves people living in marginalized communities, particularly children who are caught on the Mexico side of the border, who are fleeing sort of um, dire situations in Mexico and Guatemala, parts uh parts of South America, and they wind up at this border crossing. Um, Mexico doesn't want to take care of them. They can't get into America. And so she sets up shop and she feeds and houses and clothes these people that have oftentimes been driven out by drug cartels in the middle of the night. And she takes care of them and she does it. You know, she's got this organization called This Is About Humanity, plug for this is about humanity. She's a really extraordinary person. I've done a border trip with her, changed my life forever. I'm going to do another one in December. Um, And she's a remarkable person. Christine Quinn, another woman here in New York City who ran for mayor and sadly did not win. I would have, I voted for her in the primary. She didn't uh, she didn't make it that far, but she's uh, she runs the Win Organization, which is a women's and children's homeless shelter here in New York City, and she does an extraordinarily good job. Um, and uh, how about Joe Rippa? Joe Rippa, who volunteers at the uh, Cathedral Kitchen in Camden, New Jersey, every Wednesday, feeding uh, people who are, you know, also living. 
uh, beneath poverty's edge and could use a hot meal. And he does that in his spare time that he is, you know, my dad is almost 85 years old and he works more now than he did when he was 40. It's kind of amazing. So people like that inspire me. I like people that uh, uh, are highly organized and empathic at the same time. It's, it's hard to like, I always say like people that use both sides of their brains fascinate me. I can barely use the one portion of my brain left that isn't like scrambled, but, um, people that can find a void, figure out a creative way to fill the void and make it happen in an organized fashion, those people fascinate me. From Libra Lady, 1018, do you have any regrets in your career? Any, I wish, I could have, I should have? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like literally one big regret. It's the house of regret. Um, Yeah, I mean, of course, everybody, I, 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 when people say they don't live in regret, I always call BS on that because everybody lives with a certain amount of regret. There are, you know, too many opportunities that I sort of passed up over the years that I often wonder, like, I wonder if I had done A or B, what would have happened? You know, um, mostly though, I am, I'm the most disappointed in myself that I gave up on ballet. That's my biggest, but I wasn't good. And I, I actually wasn't good enough, frankly, um, to make it in any major ballet companies. So, so that's the reality. But I, st- I, what I regret is that I wasn't born more gifted. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it, Jan. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Don't forget to tell your friends to uh, download, follow, and listen to Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa. Can't wait to talk with y'all next week again. Bye. <laughs> Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Julia Desch. From PRX Productions, our team is... Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolski, Max Johnston, Edwin Ochoa. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.